Welcome to Spark Your Fire Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals. Now, let's start with the quote of the week. It is very dangerous to have a plan B because you're cutting yourself off from the chance of really succeeding. And the reason, one of the main reasons why people want to have a plan B is because they are worried about failing. What is if I fail, then I don't have anything else? Well, let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of failing because there's nothing wrong with failing. You have to fail in order to climb that ladder. Good afternoon, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Friday Wrap. Uh, again, it's another exciting week because 2021 never never disappoints, let's put it that way. So, uh uh, but yeah, I've, uh, I've got my uh, I've got my regular co-host back to us uh, back with us this week again. We're missing Jazz last week, so Jazz, do you need the red carpet light in front of you before you uh, get you to walk across? I think me wearing the red T-shirt is good enough for now. <laughs> thanks for the warm welcome. <laughs> John and I was just busy preparing to getting that carpet out, just so you know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> seeing that you've got your red T-shirt on, we go. All right, well, uh, let's not take it that far this time. We'll leave that for another occasion. Yeah, John, how are you doing? I'm I'm great. I'm uh, busier than a mosquito in a nudist colony. Uh, <laughs> doing great. <laughs> Busy is good because that certainly shows a strength in the property market at the moment, which we all we all know what's currently happening, and we've been harping on it for a few weeks. But uh, you know, we'll leave the best till the last. Uh, I guess in terms of the property updates on, on that side of things, um, there's a few topics we want to talk about uh, this week. Uh, but I guess you know, as always, we'll start off with the macro stuff. Um, I think one of the topics that uh, that's that's being covered or we want to cover is uh, Ray Dalio uh, in relation to uh, his his comments on the worst performers on cash and bonds. So, gents, uh, I'm not really across this topic, but uh, what I'll do is I'm, I'm obviously very keen to learn about macroeconomics. So um, I'll get uh, Jazz. I think I'll get you to lead in on that one. Yeah. So sure. Um, the, so this week, Ray Dalio was in the news talking about how cash and bonds is the probably worst investment of the time. Uh, So for the people who uh, look at cash and bonds as a type of investment in their portfolio in the past, it has kind of worked well when balanced within the portfolio. Uh, Cash, we did discuss about the cash part last week, which uh, the episode has already been published, Cash is Trash, the talk that Ray Dalio did last year. And this week, it has been more related to the kind of bonds story, uh, where whether bonds is in the future will be a great investment or not. Uh, when you look at the amount of uh, stuff that's happening in the macro landscape uh, for the people, uh, for the boomers, um, does it still fit within uh, well within their portfolio story? Um, that we we are no one, we we have no right to say whether it's the right kind of strategy or not, but. I think the point that he's trying to make is that when the market is so heavily manipulated by Fed um, through control of the bond yield and also with the amount of currency that has been brought into the system in the last uh, year or two, uh, that bond is not really a great investment strategy um, with the yields being manipulated. At the moment, the yields are heading north. I think currently we are sitting at about 1.7%, but again, when RBA will put a tap on that or basically manipulate the market once again to drop the yields because it's not very sustainable as it can hurt the stock market, obviously. And on a longer, more, more than the stock market, 
I mean, stock market can see it's 10, 15% correction, but more than that, how it will affect the economy if the rate starts to go up with these yields rising. Yeah. So he, so Red Dahlia said, I think he said, so he definitely talked about bonds and cash, but I, I think he then said something like, so go out and buy stuff. And he used the word stuff because what he's saying is there's loads of inflation and you'll if you buy a, a um, tin of baked beans or uh, a, bl- a bar of gold or, a, you know, if you buy something physical that doesn't perish, like um, if you add water to it sort of thing, like, <clears throat> you know, a banana that goes off, if you buy stuff and he used the word stuff, you're at least going to make inflation. So he's So when you think about what a bond is, a bond or a treasury bond, it's just a promise to deliver dollars in the future. <clears throat> and if dollars are worth less in the future, um, they therefore are a terrible investment. And at the moment, the market, the free market's trying to push yields up. It's saying dollars are losing value. So if you want me to hold them for 10 years, I need more than 1.5% return. I'm going to need 1.7% now, but maybe it goes higher. Um, so Ray Dalio's right. If you want me to hold these dollars for 10 years, I'm going to need more than 1.7%. Thank you very much. Um, and the, at the moment, there's a tug of war between the Fed that wants low rates and the market that doesn't want to hold treasuries without being compensated with high rates. Um, one of the things that, yeah, we'll get onto the FOMC meeting in a second, but, um, but, but, uh, you know, that, that tug of war is, is very interesting. And one of the things that didn't come out of the FOMC meeting was there's no yield curve control and the market was kind of expecting that. Um, just one thing, uh, one last thing, the cash is trash versus cash is king story. I love this debate. I think it's very interesting. I think uh, watch the Pete Wargen video uh, for a really good ch- uh, chat about that. <clears throat> but it ties into whether or not it's worth holding uh, treasuries and my kind of overall view is some somewhere along in between Ray Dalio and Grant uh, Cardone. My view is that cash is trash, but cash flow is king. So mm-hmm. savings in cash is a problem, but y- you need assets that churn off regular cash flow, and that's what you want. Yeah, I, th- I think his main point is when the when the yields are heavy, heavy yields and the currency uh, is being heavily manipulated, and we know that the rates. Uh, Fed cannot really afford to let the rates shoot up. Basically, they can't front run inflation in this case. Uh, then the question becomes is, is bonds still a great investment? And this goes back to the game, the same uh, thing that we discussed last year as well. Why did likes of Warren Buffet and all uh, dumped some of the bank stocks and uh, preferred gold over, uh, over bond? I think this space is very interesting to watch because it's a hard on the rock place where if they let the bond yields go up, then the economy is going to get impacted through the interest rates. How big of a domino effect it is, even I don't fully understand. So I'll just leave it there on that part. Yeah, I mean, the the, the Fed have come out and, and said that they want at least 2% inflation. So if you, to hold, a, to hold a treasury, you need more than 2% to have a real return. So if, if you're making 1.5% on a treasury, and inflation's at 2%, you're making negative half a percent. So you might as well buy real estate instead. Yeah, I I guess one of the questions, another way to look at it is what is the real interest rate that is not being manipulated, right? These interest rates that we are seeing in the market currently, 1%, 3%, whatever it is, right? And the bond yields, they are all being controlled, manipulated by the Fed. But if it wasn't, what is the real interest rate that market 
will agree to if it was a free market. Now, you can argue to some of that stuff by looking at the what's happening in the land of crypto um, and the kind of interest rates that are being offered over there, which you can say is to some extent a free market not being controlled at this point. Um, and you can see the interest rates up to 15, 20%. The question becomes is, is that the real interest rate or this the real interest rate which is being heavily manipulated? So that's where I think Ray Dalio's argument is uh, that this market is being fully manipulated. We don't know what the real interest rate is. All these interest rates are, are being controlled uh, centrally by all the central banks in a, in a very orderly fashion. So um, yeah, you said 15 to 20% on crypto. Is that, Are you saying that that's crypto is pricing a yield at that so if you were to lend out your as an example if you were to lend out your crypto assets specifically let's just talk uh, as an example bitcoin uh, you can get a yield return of anywhere between 10 to 20 percent currently by lending those assets now why is it that in that free market the yield oh, sorry the the interest rates are much higher compared to when you look at the traditional markets I, I think the answer to that, that's really interesting, by the way. That is very interesting. Um, I think the answer to that is what, what, like what's the Fed doing is I think the Fed is managing the default of the US government. And exactly. I know no one's talking about this, right? But there are two ways you can default. One is you put your hand up and say, I can't pay the debt. In, in the case of the US, it's $24 trillion. Of course, they can't pay it back. The other way they default is that you create so much inflation that you kind of pay it back, but you pay it back with um, diminished units of currency. I, I think we just need to all get real with ourselves that the reason that the, the Fed is so adamant about keeping a lid on interest rates and pumping out all this currency is because they are managing a default. I think bang on. I think you, you hit the nail on the head over there. It's being handled in a very orderly fashion, essentially. Uh, uh, there's two ways. One, you let it go. Two is you control it to a point where it does damage, but it does minimum damage. And I think that's what they're trying to do. And treasury bonds have always been the base layer or the tranche or, or, the, or, the, or the ground on which the whole financial system is being laid or was laid, right? So if that is not uh, the source of truth anymore, because it's being heavily manipulated, then obviously it's being parked into other places now, which is real estates, gambling on crypto, and all that stuff, essentially. Go out and buy stuff and then sell it in two years' time, and you'll definitely make a profit due to inflation, isn't it? But not, <laughs> but, but not put it in, uh, don't put it on cash or bonds, potentially. Since, since <laughs> when did we became, since when did a free market became uh, like the market where we are in currently that only goes up? S&P 500, every time it goes down by 20%, Fed comes out job owning it, and all of a sudden we are back to a new all-time high, right? So a free market is supposed to go up and down freely, not being job-owned by Jerome Paul, which is what he's doing, obviously. Well, we have markets, but we don't have free markets. So, we, we, you know, like we have markets in the sense that we buy and sell stuff, but um, a free market is one that's free of coercion, and we, we don't really have that anymore. Um, you know, when you think about the, the old Austrian economic saying is that you can't have a free market and a central bank in the same economy, because uh, central banks are price manipulators. So, um, and if, if I buy a, a can of baked beans from you, 50% of that transaction is currency. So 50% of the transaction is baked beans, the other half is, is the, the currency itself. And if they're manipulating the currency, it means they're manipulating every transaction in the economy. 
Mm-hmm. So you can't have a free market and a central bank at the same time. Um, yeah. But this is kind of a evangelical free market perspective. But we would be wealthier without the RBA. There's no doubt about that. No, that's uh, that's that's fair point. It's good. Uh, certainly, good points to raise to our investors who's uh, um, in the current market, seeing what's happening. Uh, but that uh, you you, re- you mentioned about Jerome Powell, and uh, I know he's also uh, made some announcements about the inflation this week. Uh, Jazz, can you fill us in on that as well? John, do you want to get started on that one? Well, yeah, so there was an FOMC meeting on Tuesday US time, and uh, just a couple of um, a couple of interesting things. Uh, the first thing is that they see inflation. So you've so the context of that is that the uh, the, the Fed has spent the last thirty years telling us there's no inflation, and now they're coming out saying openly and kind of encouragingly that there is inflation, and they they're, they're cool with it. So uh, to add a little bit more context, in uh, March last year the Fed changed its policy to uh, essentially, I'm sorry, in 2013, it came out and started targeting inflation. So they're targeting 2%, but now they're happy for it to go over so that the average is 2%. Um, that the, the Fed is talking about inflation is a big deal because, as I said, they've been talking for 30 years that there is no inflation. That's the first thing. The other thing that they said is that uh, for the next two, probably three years, interest rates are not going up. Now, what this means for Australian investors is if uh, the United States is the, the the central bank of central banks and they have the reserve currency, if they're not going to put interest rates up, we can't really. I mean, we can put them up a little bit, but we can't materially outstrip uh, US interest rates. That means that if, if we're concerned that our interest rates are too low where they are and that they're leading to all sorts of asset bubbles, imagine what happens in two years when interest rates are still at these same levels. Um, th- these asset bubbles are going to run. They're designed to run to eliminate the debt. So, th- so yeah, inflation, growth, and so his, his growth pro- uh, projections were about 6% per annum, very favourable. So inflation, growth, and low interest rates was the key from um, from the Fed, yeah, I think just looking at the bond yields uh, as a as an indicator, I think there will be a lot more money that will be brought into the system just to control the bond yields. That's the only way they can do mm-hmm. it currently. Uh, if they try and do it the other way, which is by uh, raising the rates, kind of thing, uh, that is not going to work because companies will start to default. Obviously, you can't re- not refinance at the lower rates, which means all the profits the margins start to disappear. And if that happens, then there's blood on the streets, essentially. So uh, inflation will run hot, uh, and there will be a lot more money that will be brought into the system. So I think we'll see money flowing all around into different asset classes. And I think we're already seeing that. Not that we will see. I think we're already starting, starting to see that, even in Australia, like real estate, because of the low interest rates, because of the... Uh, QE that has been done over here over the last year or so, uh, not to that extent, but we're clearly seeing that happen over here in Australia too. So um, it's something worth watching is all I'll say. It's, yeah, Fed is just trying to uh, manage, like John said, I think the words are perfect, manage the default in a in a very orderly fashion. Yeah, the, the only other thing I'd, I'd add is... Um, we have a very distorted view of what inflation is and means. You know, we, we, we live in an economy where 
real estate prices go up by 15% per year and then we tell ourselves that there's no inflation. <clears throat> and this is because we've, we've kind of defined it incorrectly. So uh, inflation is just the creation of the money, the creation of the currency rather. So inflation is, is the QE part and it'll eventually make its way into prices. But, but rising prices isn't inflation. Expanding the, the currency supply is inflation, which leads to higher prices. So you can't have inf real estate prices going up at 15% and say there's no inflation. And the only reason people do is because they're only measuring consumer prices. Uh, there's tons of inflation out there and not all of it trickles into bread and pizza prices. But why is it that real estate or the asset inflation is not taken, account, taken into account when just counting inflation? Is that assuming that the, uh, a person is never going to buy a house or they don't need to own assets? Mm. Right, so it's a great question. I think, yeah. I think yeah. they measure rent. They measure rent, but not so rent. rent's being taken in, but not the actual. But the rent, but then rent gets adjusted based on the uh, uh, on the inflation figures again for those for the real estate. So if your property price went up by fifty percent, or let's just say in ten years it doubled, the rent yield, let's just say, is if it goes down 2%, at some stage it will catch up because the price has gone up to 4% or 5%, whatever that yield is. So even then it doesn't make any sense. I think I can answer your question though, David. So what's the real inflation number? Actually, I can't answer it. No one can. But um, but there is a website called shadowstats.com <clears throat> and they've got unemployment rates and interest rates and um, in, inflation rates priced using definitions from previous uh, periods of time. So uh, on the on the website, shadowstats.com, they've got the inflation rate measured in the, uh, the 1990s methodology. That would be 6%. And they've got the inflation rate measured as it was in 1980, and that would be about 10%. So this is in the US. So if we measured it the same way we did, kind of, you know, we talk about the 70s, the 70s yeah. was the inflationary period of time. Mm. If we measured inflation the same way we did back then, we would have inflation of uh, between 8 and 10%. If we measured unemployment the way we did in the 30s, we'd have unemployment of about 15%. Mm. It's kind of definitions and, and maybe, the, maybe the measures are better now. I guess the point is not that we're being lied to. The point is that it depends on how you define these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, no, that's a certainly interesting perspective. So that was what, shadowstats.com? No, that was only yeah. That was that was US, isn't it? So there's is there anything similar for Australia to, to no, the extent? No. But we need to get some Aussie blokes onto it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I guess the formula there would definitely be um, be something that uh, can be applicable as well for Australians in that sense. Mm. Okay. No, totally. Uh, very very interesting topic. I think something to to watch certainly uh, for the rest of the year to see how how it's going to pan out. But um, yeah, look. Definitely inflation is going up so much higher. You know, we're seeing asset prices flying, essentially, property prices flying, all sorts of asset places flying. I think crypto is up to over 60 this week, 60K this week from memory. Um, yeah. So let's, just, let's just stop. Uh, forget Bitcoin. I mean, the total market cap of crypto is currently sitting at, I think, about uh, 1.7, 1.8 trillion. Mm, wow. There you go. So it's pretty much doubled in the, in the year or so. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Where does it go to, uh, Jazz? Just a market cap. Where does the market cap go? If I was to take a stab in the dark, it will be somewhere between 
five to ten twelve. Right, because the the market cap of gold is about twelve trillion. Oh, about ten, yeah, about ten. So you're saying you would get to about that as well. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think that the big question mark. So I I agree. I think I don't own any crypto, unfortunately, but I think crypto runs until unless and until it gets regulated. And I think it's designed to not be regulated, but but ju- just in case, the, the risk to crypto is that it gets regulated, right? So it's interesting when you say regulated, uh, there's parts of crypto, right? When you say getting regulated, we are seeing the IPO happening for Coinbase soon. Mm. That's a regulation, right? Yeah. Uh, we are seeing the, uh, the uh, ETF that got launched in Canada. That's a regulation. EDF, mm-hmm. getting long, EDF getting launched in America, that will be a regulation. Acceptance by likes of PayPal is also a regulation to some extent because you're a PayPal, with PayPal, you're a verified user. So if you buy crypto, essentially, the regulators will know what your purchase history is, essentially. So that's a regulation. I think there's already, and plus, if you go to any of these exchanges, you it, there's obviously KYC and AML, right? Uh, that's a regulation. So I think the regu- what I think what you're trying to say, John, is that and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think the regulation will get tougher and tougher over the coming period, along with the tax regulations as well. Yeah. Yes, I think governments will try to control it because it competes with their currency at the moment. I mm-hmm. think they don't mind because it's a trillion dollars and change globally, yeah. right? But. Yeah as it starts to compete with national currencies, and eventually on this trajectory it will, that's when they'll get nervous. And what they'll do, I think, is bring out their own digital currencies and say, you don't need Bitcoin anymore. So that's interesting when you say that, John. When you say compete with uh, national currencies, right? Um, There's, before it was libertarians, anarchists, gun people who were dealing in this space. Now you've got Elon Musk, Jack Dorsey, mm. Michael Saylor, PayPal, Peter Thiel. And when they are converting their treasuries, cash treasuries, into BDC, uh, I don't know. I mean, yes, it can be more regulated, but I will be highly skeptical of it disappearing now so i agree i I agree with you because bitcoin is the opposite of national currencies because it's decentralized the national currency is completely centralized and bitcoin is the opposite even though it's got the word digital in the in the description it doesn't make it the same as a national currency so i i I do agree with you but i'm they'll want to take a piece of it and you mentioned one word back then taxation that they they really want to tax this as well so um So I think there, yeah, Bitcoin comes with risks, crypto comes with risks, but everything does, so that's okay. But with, you're spot on on that. I mean, there, there is risk. That's why it's not suggested to put all your wealth into it. That's why it's only maybe take a 1% punt or 0.5, whatever that number is. The money you can afford to do is basically your coffee change kind of thing. Mm. Uh, space to watch. Oh, yes. Although the big big news this week was Morgan Stanley offering Bitcoin as an investment class to its wealthy clients who can afford to take those kind of risks, it being so volatile. Mm. 
Now, think of it for a second when Morgan Stanley comes out and issues that statement and lets the investors basically dabble into the space. Do you think likes of JP Morgan and all the other ones are going to sit behind and wait for too long? Because yeah. obviously they'll start losing the clients when they see, you know what, oh yeah, we, uh, we understand the risk, but we want to take that risk. Uh, investors' appetite, essentially. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, th- I think next few, week, few weeks to months will be very interesting in this space, in my opinion. I think the key to Bitcoin is that when it has a big correction, that's not uh, a excuse to, to declare victory for the <laughs> Peter Schiff's and the, the Harry Dent's because it's just gone exponential. It'll probably correct and then go on another phase up and all that sort of stuff, right? When it comes to crypto, I think everyone is an expert in terms of speculating, isn't it? <laughs> all right. You ask me. You ask me. Uh, what do you think is the price range for, let's just say, Bitcoin? It's somewhere between zero to I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> zero to whatever figure that you can come up with. <laughs> try, try your luck in this space, essentially. Oh, coffee change, eh? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. Um, look, a bit of a change in the topic. Uh, I think you know some some good news for uh, for Australians in that sense. Now I want to bring it in. Um, unemployment figures being released by RBA. Um, sorry, not RBA. ABS this week. Uh, Labor force. So uh, some positive news from January to February. Unemployment rate dropped from six point three percent down to five point eight. So that is actually good. Um, and we're looking at pretty much. Uh, I mean, this is according to news media, of course, um, basically back to the pre-COVID levels or very, very close to pre-COVID levels. And I think that's what's making the headlines uh, across earlier this week. Um, I know the devil's in the details. <laughs> and I know before we jump on, you know, we all had a bit of skepticism around this. Uh, but certainly this is, uh, this, is, this is relatively good news. Um, we're seeing that the unemployment continue to drop. Um, and tying to that as well, uh, you know, the... Um, uh, the the deferrals, the loan deferrals, uh, as released by Australian Banking Association earlier this week, um, essentially, you know, if you count as zero to a hundred percent, hundred percent being every, you know all the all the people that apply for deferrals during pre-COVID, um, and zero percent means no one's being uh, applying for deferrals. We only got about three point five percent of deferral loans at the moment still currently in deferral. So in other words, the other ninety six point five percent is out. They have already stopped deferring their loans and already back into repayments. Okay, so you know these two are positive news uh, in the sense that people are getting their jobs back, despite that they could be more part time rather than full time. Um, you know, without digging into the details, it's a bit hard to say. But on a high level, you know, we're certainly seeing that there's a recovery in terms of Australian uh, Australians getting their employment back, getting their income back, and therefore able to afford the repayments again. Is that a, is that a is that kind of like a, a suitable summary, uh, gents? Any thoughts, comments? Yeah, d- definitely. Yeah, it's good news. It's good news. I think that I saw a graph and it was full time work that really came back, which is, which is encouraging. Um, if you're if you're an investor uh, in Australia, I think that uh, these are all positive things. There are consumers yep. out there. The only thing I'd say uh, again is if you've got um, you, we've got competing problems, the RBA is kind of in a bind here where um, ordinarily they'd need to start to raise interest rates here. They're at emergency low levels. Uh, We're getting back to full employment and we're seeing inflation. But if the Fed doesn't raise interest rates, the RBA can't raise interest rates. So we're going to have interest rates uh, at zero and full employment. 
it's a recipe for inflation. And uh, the currency issue with mining running hot. Mm. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It'll be, it will be, a, yeah. yeah, it will be real interesting uh, to watch this space how RBN APRA will intervene when the time comes. And we've discussed that as well. I mean, likes of what New Zealand did. That's a that's a pretty easy way to control the property market, uh, which is to stop the investors or control the investors to the extent that you can. Uh, not many investors out there will be running with 40% deposits. Uh, investors generally want 100% uh, LVRs, not 60-40. So, yeah. It's all uh, about leverage, basically. It, that's the power. That's the power. Well, yeah. So if there's no leverage, there's no fun in this game. And mm. if there's no fun. So uh, it's... I think I think that's the I think RBA will step in at the way the market is going currently. And David, uh, you and I were just discussing the example before the recording how one of the properties in uh, outer suburbs of Melbourne, basically uh, price range four to four fifty, sold for four seventy five twenty five k over the asking price in an average suburb with hundred people lined up, hundred people lined up. If that keeps happening over the next few months, there's no chance, zero chance, that RBA won't intervene. They will come in in some shape and form. Well, whether it's RBA or APRA, you can argue that, uh, more like APRA than RBA, uh, but there's zero chance that they won't step in and tighten some criteria using whatever parameters they define. Just not interest rate. It will be more of a lending. It will be more of a lending curb, uh, in a sense, like what they did back in sixteen and seventeen. And John and I discussed this in more detail last week as well. When you're not around, so yeah. definitely agree on that. It's just a matter of time, and depending on how hard it runs. And at the moment, you know, we're seeing, John. I think based on your latest figures, and sorry if I'm jumping ahead. Um, I think what one week there was about one percent growth or something. In, is yeah. that that's in Sydney, isn't it? Sydney's Sydney's growing at one percent per week. That's extremely hot. But you know what's interesting is uh, if you compare um, all of the, the, the Australian capitals to the peak in 2017, we are 1.7% higher than the peak in 2017. So what that means is, so I agree that eventually they're going to jump in with regulation, not interest rate increases. However, if you think about it, let's say real estate runs uh, 10% between now and this time next year, that means Australia has... Uh, Australian capital city prices have gone up 11% in five years. They're not they're not going to be alarmed at that because if you ta- if you take a long kind of horizon, uh, real estate prices are just doing a bit of catch up from you know the the dips in 18, 19, 20, and they'll let it run. And I, I don't think that we're looking at any regulatory uh, changes until maybe the end of next year. Mm-hmm. But. but the, it will come. It will come. And timing is always difficult to predict. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I'm with John on that. Timing is the hard one in this case. But if it runs at this pace, at the pace that it's running, it will be sooner rather than later. That's the only thing I'll say. I read yesterday, this is really interesting, actually, that that uh, in 2017 in the peak, 50% of loans were interest only. And today, they are. It's 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 down to 15%. So... What's there left to regulate? This is why it has to it has to get. It's not out of control. Uh, the market's actually really tight. So low interest rates, people paying off their debt, um, people are being reasonably responsible. 
Um, I can't, yeah, it's it's got to run a lot harder and higher before they start to regulate this. Mm-hmm. I uh, I agree. Again, it's just hard to break the time frame. So well, we'll see. Although, Jazz, I think I think the interesting thing is I, I'm not sure whether banks at the moment would look at curbing any of that right now because you know this is this is a prime time for them to obviously get more loans and in a sense. So you know this is coming back to you say for example they might stop invest interest only say all investors now go into PNI you can only lend at seventy percent we're going to hike up the rates and that kind of stuff. Um, probably won't do that in the short term. I mean, in my in my person, as you said, you know, you guys might be looking at end of next year. I mean, my gut feeling is they're not going to do that until they get the signal from regulators. It's got to stop, got to do something about it, got to do something, you know, until they've been pushed and shoved to say, hey, we are stepping in, you need to do something about it. That's probably the time, the only time that they are going to really tweak something. And in a sense, because don't forget, they still need to protect their margins. And I've seen it on, on news, this, I think uh, one of the news this week, banks' profits now drop 25 30% in comparison to what they used to be. So they obviously got a very tight margin. Everyone's trying to squeeze that interest rate at the moment as low as they possibly can, and we're seeing record lows at the moment too, right? So um, they're obviously very, very keen to get more business when the property market is booming, like what we're seeing now. Um, so suspect it's going to let it run for a bit longer until the regular goes, stop, the music needs to stop now. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? So, so, so with what John said before, that the prices are currently rising in Sydney, I think he meant specifically 1% a week. Now, if it keeps going 1% a week rise, do you think regulators are going to wait for 24 months? Just 1% a week, well, it's not just. I mean, 1% a week is a lot. Yeah. The, the only thing is that if it, it, let's say it runs... One percent, one percent per week is a lot. Yeah, I think that there's a perception at the. Moment. I was going to say, yeah, but it's good. Um, I think, I think the, um, I think the perception is that it's going to fizzle out. So th- we're in a period of catch up, and then it's going to plateau. I personally don't think that, but I, I think that um, it's going to run harder at the beginning than it will once once this bull market matures. And I think that they're waiting to see it flatten out. I don't. Th- I, I think it will flatten out, but it'll still be going up for a couple of years. That yeah. no one's trying to rein it in now. No one's thinking of reining this in now, I, I think. John, has your portfolio doubled this year, at the start of this year? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Probably up 10% or so since uh, Q4 of last year. <laughs> we own units too, so there's units and they, um, uh, they, they, they're not performing as well. So it's a strong, it's a strong uplift, I think, at the moment. That's what that's what we're seeing. And you know, like I think I concur with that to say the, the run is a lot stronger in the first couple of months, and that, which is what we're seeing right now. And that could have factored in um in a in a normal cycle where you get 10%, 20% across 12 months, that 10%, 20% could have happened within a short time frame of a six percent, and then it's gonna be a lot more moderate type of growth moving forward. So, you know, a, a quick Quick, uh, what do you call um, splurge or no? Um, yeah, it's, anyway, just pick a quick spike um, in, in a long grand scheme of things, um, and then start to flatten out from that point onwards. It's probably what we're seeing, and that's why you know 1.1 percent each week. No, it's not going to sustain for an annual. If you annualize it, that's about 50. That's about 52 percent. That's absolutely crazy. But um, you know, it, it's it's going to run like this for a bit longer, um, and then it's going to soften. Because don't forget, at the end of the day, people's borrowing capacity is still limited. Yes, people are able to get more borrowing nowadays. However, the income doesn't change every day. 
<laughs> their income doesn't go up just like a, you know just like that, right? So you know they're, they're still the borrowing capacity is still limited somewhat, and therefore there's only a cap in terms of how much higher the prices can be pushed. To a degree. That's my personal opinion. Except that when you when when we when we start to see the migration intake, skilled migration intake happen, and all those cashed up buyers from uh, other Overseas. countries, Brazil, China, India, whatever, Europe, uh, show up, that will have its own. Uh, that could have a, that could have a second peak at yeah, that point. And maybe 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 that's the time when John is talking, uh, which will probably be kind of next year. So, my, my grandmother, who couldn't speak English, used to love. Uh, sale of the century because she could she liked watching the numbers and I feel like that's where we're that's what we're doing at the moment. <laughs> so what are the auction numbers, John? Yeah, oh, I mean they're strong. They're strong. So uh, this is so to give you some context. This is the first month I think ever where two capital cities had clearance rates over ninety percent. So volumes were much higher than last week and the prior year. Sydney had uh, an auction clearance rate of 90.4. The other capital city that was over 90% was Canberra with 93.4. Against how many properties? Uh, so the um, in Sydney it was 716 properties, which is, you know, good. It's good. Yes. 655 the, the week before. Uh, in Canberra it was 81, but it was 40 the week before. So vo- volumes are up and, and clearance rates are up. Uh, just to run through the other capitals, Melbourne was at 81.5, bull market there. Brisbane bounces around. Uh, Brisbane was at 70.2% and down from about 90% the week before. But Brisbane isn't a strong auction market. It's a, it's a private treaty market. And Adelaide, geez, did I say two markets? Adelaide was 90.9%. So that's three, three markets in yeah. cities over 90%. Wow. We're well and truly in bull market territory. It's it's, it's all cities, it's all regions. Interestingly, the other thing is, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but units are performing as well as houses now. And that was kind of creeping up on us, but units and houses are performing as well as each other. Mm. Happy days for people who's got assets, right? But I do, yeah, I do feel for those uh, who's, uh, who's going to be missing out on this one. Anyway, that's why everyone's trying to get in at the moment, right? That's, that, that's why there's this fear of missing out factor. Go, I'm losing money every week if I don't get into the market. <laughs> and that FOMO is what's really driving up the prices right now. It's gone to the, it's gone to a frenzy, frenzy mode, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, actually, last thing before we wrap up. Uh, so uh, I've just been uh, constantly monitoring the responsible lending, swapping of responsible lending. The bill has been passed to Senate earlier this week for the second read. Um, however, they still have not come to a conclusion. There's been a lot of objections from consumer groups, for example, to say, hey, if you remove responsible lending, it's going to have an adverse effect to consumers because they're going to be less protected, um, you know, such. So there's been strong voice of opposition on that. Um, and therefore, at the moment, I think the Senate has delayed the discussion um, till next sitting, which is due for June and May 2021. So originally it was anticipated to be passing the Senate by March, end of this month. Um, and then, uh, you know, people, I mean, I know a lot of investors are kind of like hoping that, hey, you know, once this is being scrapped, then uh, they might be able to scrape a bit more borrowing capacity. But looks like at the moment, it's going to be another month or two's delay at minimum um, for that to be, again, addressed read and um, and passed by the Senate. So, okay, just keeping everyone informed on that side of things too. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
Anything else, gents? Just one super small, th two super small things. One, uh, Biden's trying to push through uh, the first major tax increase since 1993. So uh, all this comes at a cost and uh, there's a lot of murmurings about taxes going up in the US. Maybe we can chat about that next week. The other thing is that uh, really volatile stock markets at the moment and mm. the trend seems to be that people are moving out of the tech stocks that, that were in favour last year, so rotating out of the NASDAQ and into boring old industrials. So where things that, you know, buying leisure stocks, automotives, <clears throat> utilities and, and out of Amazon and, and the tech stocks. So there's a real rotation at the moment from snazzy to boring and that's an interesting uh, rotation as well. This is what happens when you keep bringing more and more money into the system and the base layer is not really defined properly. It just keeps changing. Uh, space to watch. But to the listeners, market's hot. Stay safe. Stay safe. Don't over leverage. Like always. Uh, and uh, yes, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. John Jazz and Nevitt.